always like to look at that gas price because you know here uh, we've been paying some pretty high gas prices in the last uh, oh, six, eight months, almost $3 a, a gallon and how much that is uh, meant to all of us because, you know, most of us don't uh, make a ton of money. But uh, uh, I remember when I was a kid, uh, I had a 65 Ford Mustang and I'd, I could go to the gas station and, and buy gas for 21, 22, 23 cents a gallon. Imagine that, buying gas for that much money. And, of course, it wasn't a big, big thing then. But uh, I guess now that gas prices are starting to go down again, and I've even read an article where they talk about gas prices of mean maybe being about a dollar five. Well, I don't myself look for that to happen, but you know it's always a possibility. But you know I'm rejoicing in the fact that the prices are are going down, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Not gas prices, but uh, reasons to rejoice. And so we'll be uh, reading in Romans five today. But before we start uh, in Romans 5, I was going to give everybody a pop quiz. And you know how it is on pop quizzes. You always come to class and you're not prepared. And I guess that's the way it's turned out today because I don't have my pop quiz with me. Can you believe that? How lucky you really are. But, fortunately, you know, I remember in grade school they'd give me a pop quiz. I'd say, why is she doing this to me? And then I'd go to, uh, you know, high school. Why is he doing this to me? You know, I'm not prepared. And then in college, why, why are they doing this to me, these pop quizzes? You know, I guess I'm a slow learner. I should have learned by then. You need to be prepared. But anyhow, if I recall from this pop quiz, and it had a connection with a survey, and it said, do rich people enjoy life more than people with modest means? And you can answer these questions, yes or no, in your own mind. We won't grade the test afterwards like they used to do in class, and I hated that because it was either some gal or some guy who circle a big, huge, you miss seven out of 11. And uh, I just hated other people to grade my test. But, you know, such is life. But answer yes or no to that question. Do rich people, do they enjoy life more than people with uh, modest means? Yes or no. Now, do handsome women or good-looking women, handsome men, do they enjoy life more than the normal-looking person? Yes or no? And uh, are affluent cultures, do they enjoy life more than non-affluent cultures? I'm trying to think what the last question was. Well, anyhow, it doesn't matter. The, the answer to all these questions is no. Uh, it's these questions are basically a myth about happiness. As you know, you can be a, a good-looking man and, and you can have a terrible life uh, compared to someone who is not as handsome as you are. So the answer is no. But one thing in this survey that was interesting was, and it dealt with uh, money. And people thought money was more important than uh, education, 
They thought money was more important than love. They thought uh, money was more important than relationships. Uh, and so even though money is important in our lives, we, we have to have it to do things that we need to do, uh, money can be a, be a real issue or be a real problem uh, in our lives. And so I, I thought that was kind of interesting about uh, that survey I, I looked at. But uh, what kind of things make you uh, joyful? And Jamie, did I bring my water up here? Is it sitting down there? Oh, okay. Is that nervousness or something like that? But what kind of things make you joyful? Is it the perfect relationship? where all your needs are met, where you come home at the end of the day and the husband walks in the door and the wife greets him with a big hug and a kiss and has a nice meal ready and uh, scratches your back when you want your back scratched? <laughs> or is it that wife who comes home at the end of the day, a tough day at work, and, and she has someone to listen to her who can relate? How often, for those who are married, have heard that you don't listen to me. But the perfect relationship for all your needs are, are met. The perfect job. Now how many here now or how many in the past have struggled with just trying to maintain a job? Maybe the business goes out of business or you have trouble with the person you work with. Uh, issues such as that. So as you live your life, you find out you have these kinds of trials and, and struggles. And going back to money, money to pay the bills, to buy the necessary things in life. You know, we all long to be joyful and experience pure delight that life offers us. But uh, we know that these joys are elusive and they're momentary. And... Uh, they're gone as quickly as, as, as they come. But how can we have an abiding, enduring joy, especially when suffering and these trials uh, intrude in our lives? Because everyone here knows, if you're young or you're old, you're going to have these trials that come along with work, with life, with relationships. It happens day after day after day. And how does your life go with these trials? Are they a benefit for you? Can you say that a trial is, is a benefit for you? Well, I think we can, and we'll talk about that, but let's get into uh, Romans 5 and uh, talk, about, talk about what Paul said in Romans 5, and we'll be working primarily in verses 1 through 21. However, we won't be working with... Uh, 12 through 21, I, I do want to read that because I think it is important for us to, uh, to read that for total context, but uh, the verses 12 through 21 provide a contrast between uh, Adam and Christ, and uh, Adam who introduced sin and death into the world, and Christ who brought righteousness and life. And so we'll be primarily dealing with uh, the first half of 1 through 21. So I'll start. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Peace with God. 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exult in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance, proven character. And proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy, Holy Spirit who is given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Therefore, just as though, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the transgression, for if by the transgression of the one the many died, but much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for on the one hand the judgment arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions resulting in justification. For if by the transgression of the one death reigned, through the one much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So then as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men. Even so, through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, even so, through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. The law came in so that transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so, grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now the question is, how has faith in Jesus Christ changed our relationship with God? Let's go back to verse 1 again. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God. The first result of being justified by faith will be that you have peace with God. 
Now, Scripture says that if you have been justified, there is no longer an adversarial relationship between you and God. Now, hostility has uh, ceased, and you are no longer at war with the Father. There is no controversy between God and you concerning any sin. God has forgiven you and set you free from the penalties of sin. He has declared you righteous and holy in His sight. Now, if we turn to uh, Colossians chapter 1, 22, tw- uh, verse 21 and 22, And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet He has now reconciled you in His fleshly body through death in order to present you before Him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Now you have to make peace with God through Jesus Christ before you can have or ever have peace, the peace of God, as verse 1 says, the peace of God. Once you have reconciled with the Father, the real fruit of communion with God can, can begin. Then you will know the peace with God. And in Philippians 4, verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now let's turn to uh, verse 2. Through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exult in hope of the glory of God. Now Jesus ushers us into the presence of God. And the heavy curtain of the temple that separated man from God and God from man has been removed. Reading in Matthew 27, verse 51. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. Now the tearing of the curtain signified Christ making it possible for believers to go directly into God's presence. This means you can draw on all resources of His grace to meet your every need. He is sufficient, and most of all, His grace is sufficient for whatever He calls you to do. And Paul wrote in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Now moving on to uh, Romans 5, verse 3 and 4, And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And I think about talking to uh, a couple of people before uh, we started uh, church today and and uh, the trials and tribulations they were going through with, with their work. And uh, uh, I'll just mention uh, uh, Joe and, and what he's been having to struggle with uh, at work and, and uh, getting a new uh, CEO here recently. And, and uh, uh, this has been ongoing for Joe for quite a period of time. And... and uh, has been a struggle for him because he's just trying to, I think, more or less get, you know, day to day and uh, 
do the things that he needs to do. And I think at Dan at, at Goodyear and all the things he's going through now of being a manager and, and working with rank-and-file members and, and uh, the issues that come up that causes real concern for a manager or a person dealing with, pish, uh, with people on uh, real issues of life. But the question is how, is, how does suffering for Christ's sake produce proven character and proven character hope? Well, I'd like to turn to uh, a living Bible paraphrase for Romans, verses 1 through 6. So now, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith and His promises, we can have the real peace with Him because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. For because of our faith, He has brought us into this place of highest privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to actually becoming all that God has had in mind for us to be. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they are good for us. They help us to learn to be patient, and patience develops strength of character in us and helps us trust God more each time we use it until finally our hope and faith are strong and steady. Then, when that happens, we are able to hold our heads high no matter what happens and know that all is well, for we know how dearly God loves us and we feel this warm love everywhere within us because God has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. Now, one thing about trials and tribulations that we all go through every day uh, they unfortunately seem to be uh, keep coming day after day. But they should generate perseverance and character and hope in your life. And that's a benefit that most people don't think about, that the more trials and the more tribulations you have in life, the greater benefit you have every time you are tested and the stronger your faith should get. And, of course, the word perseverance actually means endurance, or steadfastness. Now these are character qualities that are so important and are a natural fruit of the Holy Spirit. And reading in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, if you seek his access into God's grace, you will see God transform you through these tribulations and produce a real change in your character. And I'd like to read something, and it's real simple, but uh, there's a book by Charles Stanley on how to handle adversity. It's a real good book. And it's in chapter 11, and it says, you may have heard it said that a person does not really know who his friends are until the bottom drops out. How often true that is. I think there is a great truth to that. All of us have experienced the pain of discovering that people we thought would be faithful, no matter what, were simply fair-weathered friends. You know, friends whose loyalty hinges upon the climate of the circumstances. As long as a relationship is enjoyable, 
there with you all the way. But when it begins to demand some sacrifice on their part, they are hard to find. The ultimate measure of friends is not where they stand in times of comfort and convenience, but where they stand in times of challenge and controversy. That being the case, apart from adversity of some kind, we would never know who our faithful friends really are. In the same way, we will never know in a personal way the faithfulness of Christ apart from adversity. As a result, our faith in Him would never increase. It would remain static. One of the primary reasons God allows us to face adversity is so that He can demonstrate His faithfulness and in turn increase our faith. If you are a believer, you have made a decision to trust Christ with your eternal destiny. But you will not experience His faithfulness in that particular area until you die. God, God wants more from you and for you than simple intellectual acknowledgement of His faithfulness. It is His will that you experience it now. If our lives are free from pain, turmoil, and sorrow, our knowledge of God will remain purely academic. Our relationship with Him could be compared to that of a great-great-grandfather about whom we've heard stories but have never met personally. We would have great admiration but no intimacy, no fellowship. There would always be a sense of distance and mystery. That is not the kind of relationship God wants with His children. Through the death of Christ, God has opened the way for us to have direct access to Him. He went to great lengths to clear the way so that nothing stands between Him and His children. There is the potential now for intimacy between us and our Creator. And Christ went so far to say that we are His friends. God is in the process of engineering circumstances through which He can reveal Himself to each of us. And both history as well as our personal testimonies bear witness to the fact that it is in times of adversity that we come to a greater realization of God's incredible faithfulness to us. And I think that is so true how often in my life I have struggled with issues that many of you have struggled with the same things. And how, how do you deal with those issues? Do you grow from them or do you go backwards? Your faith should strengthen in, in these times of trials and, and tribulations and, and you rely upon that faith to get you through these, these terrible and tough times in your life knowing that these are so minor compared to what you'll receive in the end. Now I'd like to read uh, Romans 5 again, verses 5 through 8. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hope does not disappoint. Now, the believer's hope is, is not equated with unfounded optimism. On the contrary, it is the blessed assurance 
of our future destiny. And it is based on God's love. And that's revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. And it's objectively demonstrated to us in the death of Christ. Now Paul remarks uh, that it is a rare thing to die for even a good person. I certainly can't think of anyone who is willing to take punishment for someone who is hateful or evil. But yet who did that for us? And we know that Christ lovingly took the punishment, not just for me, but for all mankind, for everyone. Now in verses 9 and 10, much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Now how do these verses assure us that uh, God accepts us completely in Christ? You have to remember that man is the enemy of God and not the reverse. Thus the hostility must be removed from man if reconciliation is to be accomplished. And God took the initiative in bringing this about through the death of His Son. And going back to uh, Colossians again, chapter 1, 21 and 22, And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet He has now reconciled you in His fleshly body through death in order to present you before Him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Now Paul also wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16 and 17, Therefore we do not lose heart, but through our outer man, uh, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory for beyond all comparison. Our difficulties, whatever they may be, diminish by importance and in importance by comparison with the eternal glory, and that is far greater than all the suffering that one may face in his life. And of course, before we knew God, we were neither righteous nor good, but sinners. When Christ laid down His life on the cross, all that changed. And since we were reconciled when we were God's enemies, we will be saved because Christ lives to keep us. Reconciliation is a reality for Christians and can be a reality for Christians. And it is something that we should certainly rejoice about. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, uh, we all, uh, all experience in our lifetime all these trials and tribulations and some very minor, some just frustrating and some of them that are uh, major that really uh, affect our lives. But we know that by comparison they are, are, are minor to what uh, we know uh, we can receive uh, uh, with you. And that is uh, eternal glory and, and life with you. And Lord, we're so blessed that you were so willing to send your Son to die for our sins. And uh, Lord, I just thank you for uh, being there uh, for me every day of my life, even though I don't deserve it. 
I pray in your son's name. Amen.